All right, welcome. My name is Lando, and uh, I'm going to try to uh, uh, give a So welcome to our gathering this morning. Uh, I want to acknowledge that we are gathered on the lands of the Semiamu Stolo Kwantlen peoples. If you'd like to learn more about that, uh, you can go to uh, native-land.ca. Uh, uh, we are very grateful to be here today. Are these things also up there? Some of them are. I'm probably right in the way. And welcome to those who are on Zoom. We are thankful that you are with us. And I think you're over there. <laughs> anyway, uh, okay, I'm supposed to do the welcome in my own words. It's nice, there's script here. I, I thought, shouldn't we have a little more script? Uh, it's written in my own words, so here we go. Uh, one thing that I'm always concerned about coming to a gathering is what shirt am I going to wear? In the old days, it used to be... Um, you know, suit and tie and all that and jacket, you know, appropriate. And I ran a business for a while and there was, uh, we had a real funny dress code. Anyway, in the end, we just said, just wear whatever you like. But uh, we tried things that didn't really work. Nevertheless, I'm looking at this shirt. It's okay. No one else has this shirt. The other day, I was at a party for 90-year-old Aunt Betty. And most of the people there were old, but there were a few younger ones like us. I noticed a gentleman over there had this exact shirt on. I, I was not wearing this shirt, so that was okay. But can you believe it? And a younger guy, welcome, come on in. A younger guy over there, 30 years old, had another shirt that I also owned. So I thought, man, I am fashionable. If a seven, almost seven-year-old has the same shirt as a 30-year-old, okay. Nevertheless, forget all that. It's my own words, and that'll be the last time I get to do my own words. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. It's Costco special. Uh, we uh, would like to pray together, and then uh, Gavin and his uh, friends will uh, sing some songs for us that we can participate in. I've written this out uh, just to guide me a little bit, because you know me a little bit. I can go off track pretty bad. Let's pray. Oh, gracious and loving God, our creator and provider, oh, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, O Holy Spirit, breath of God, the Holy Trinity, we honor and worship you this morning. We thank you for food, shelter, and clothing, for family and friends, for the opportunity to get together here today, to sing and pray, to laugh, listen, and learn, to talk with each other and encourage each other. Help us experience your deep love today and to share that love with each other. We know that where two or more are gathered, that you are in this gathering. We bring you our personal worries and concerns, and we bring our global concerns. We bring our needs for renewed health in mind and body, and we ask for divine wisdom to know what to do and when. We give you this immediate time now and expectantly move forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're going to start, and uh, I'm going to pray for Steve for a minute, and then uh, we'll hear what he has to say. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you again that we can get together, and we thank you for Steve. Thank you for uh, his gift to the community. Thank you that um, he's in our, uh, part of our gathering and for the insights that you've given him over the many years, and especially his last couple of years with his book, and in his work in, his, in the community in Abbotsford, the hospital, and the care there that he's giving. And today, we just ask that you would give him peace, 
and joy and uh, understanding and fun in, in his talk today. Help us to listen and to learn. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, yeah. I forgot. Forgot about that. Is, it, is that on? Can you hear me? Okay, great. Well, good morning. Good morning. I have to say, I feel super exposed up here without my guitar, you know. <laughs> it's uh, it's funny how it would be stranger to talk than it would be to sing. But uh, Kevin and, and the ladies, I just want to say that was fantastic. Thank you so much uh, this morning, you know. And actually, uh, so many of the images, you know, uh, were speaking to all the kind of things I've been thinking about this week. And uh, such a beautiful time to be able to uh, spend time just sitting in that. So I'm grateful for the opportunity to share some thoughts with you this morning. Um, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Steve Mitchinson, and I've worked uh, as a palliative care physician at Abbotsford Hospital and Hospice for the last 12 years. So I want to share some thoughts and observations with you this morning about my journey. Uh, and this will probably leave you with as many questions as answers. Uh, in fact, I kind of hope it does, but perhaps not the same ones, right? Um, I've had the privilege of studying uh, theology at St. Stephen's University uh, for the last three years. Um, and one of the benefits of studying is the realization that there's an awful lot of things that I don't know. Um, and also uh, that there's some really smart people who over the centuries have thought a lot about all kinds of things. And we would do well to listen to the voices that have gone before us. There's a lot that we don't know as humanity. Um, I think you'd agree. And when we start to ask certain questions, uh, we arrive at concepts that we'll never really understand. This can be seen as the realm of mystery. And I think that's a lot of what uh, Kevin and the guys were singing about this morning. You know, um, Mystery is not the absence of wisdom or information, but it's really the presence of more understanding than our human minds can manage. Examples of mystery would be God as Trinity, Jesus' incarnation, birth, life, death, what it means to be human, uh, and what it means to be made in the image of God, just to name a few examples. Uh, we might add, why don't the Canucks ever do anything during the draft period that, that gives us hope for the season ahead? But, <laughs> yeah, mystery, I don't know. Um, so it strikes me that not knowing and not understanding are not our biggest problems. We're all destined to fail in our attempts to some extent. Perhaps a bigger problem is when we become certain that we do know the answers. We stop being curious. We stop our dialogue with other people who see things differently. And as a result, we stop growing, stop learning, and we build barriers rather than bridges. I'm always much more open to people who are prepared to say, I don't know. Please help me understand. And I hope increasingly that I can live that way. Of course, there's things we can know about, and we should try to do our best. But perhaps in the process, we should remain humble. So this uh, is, an, um, is a plug for my book, of course, right? Which is where some of these ideas come. If you want, there's some at the back there. Come and see me afterwards. And I think I owe some of you guys a copy anyway. So. There we go. I've got it. <laughs> okay. So I want to talk to you this morning about life and death. Um, it's kind of strange. You know, death is my, you know, um, 
favorite. It's my it's it's the sub it's my subject, right? You don't get too many invites to dinner when this is what your favorite subject is, right? Yeah. Um, or maybe you get one, but not the second one, right? You don't want to talk to that guy. Um, I've increasingly wondered, though, over the years, um, whether we've got some important things wrong in our understanding. And as a result, this has negatively impacted the way we live and die. These thoughts and the title of today's talk come from this book that I've written, which combines my studies and my observations from the bedside. So this is actually a talk about life, not death, in the same way that palliative care is about caring for the living until they die, not caring for the dying. It's an important distinction. Um, the Dalai Lama says, you can only begin a real meditation on life with a meditation on death. Danny Rojas from the TV program Ted Lasso makes a similar point. I kind of like the idea of quoting the Dalai Lama and Danny Rojas next to each other. Who's seen Ted Lasso? Yeah. Well, bless those who haven't, because you just it's something that you should really do. And I wish I could watch it for the first time all over again, right? So his point is, Dr. Sharon, help me remember that even though football is life, football is also death. And that football is football too, but mostly football is life. If you don't know what that means, I said, go and watch the program, you know. <laughs> so my questions for this morning begin here. Have we truly understood uh, how life is intended to be a preparation for our own physical death? What if death is something to be embraced, not avoided? A journey where we practice dying in stages until we're reborn from the womb of this life in which we grow. Wow. That's a good question. I don't know if I've an answer to it, but those are good questions, right? What if through his incarnation and passion, Jesus demonstrates that in order to be fully human necessarily includes death? The mystery of the incarnation is that Jesus comes willingly to serve, comes willing to earth as fully human, but also remains fully divine. Through his death, he completes the creation of humanity with his final breath, saying, it is finished. Something happens at the moment of Jesus' physical death on the cross that forever combines the elements of his humanity and his divinity. And I would suggest that it is this resurrected Jesus whose image we are created in. This then is full humanity and perhaps something we don't achieve until we've passed through the birth canal of our own physical death and are reborn. I appreciate this gets a little weird. But, if, you know, just sit with those things, um, things we don't understand, things we don't agree with. Those are the things that help us grow. So let's just sit with the question rather than necessarily finding an answer. So what would that mean for our years of our earthly existence? My suggestion is that we're invited into Jesus' death by putting on Christ through the sacrament of baptism to take up our cross embrace a martyr's life and to live and be fully and to be reborn so we are called to love and serve others and by do so doing emulate the nature of god revealed in jesus as described in philippians 2 6 to 8 so on your screen this has become one of my favorite passages of scripture um 
it's it's like a poem or even a hymn. Um, it's something that that uh, may have predated uh, Paul's letter. He might have just quoted it, or it might have been an early attempt at songwriting. We don't know. But um, it it reads like a um, it reads like a um, a hymn or a poem. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So in verse 7 uh, of the NIV translation, Paul tells us that Jesus made himself nothing. This phrase is from the Greek word kenosis, which another translation is that Jesus emptied himself. Now, he didn't empty himself of his divinity, but of his privilege as God and came in the form of a servant to love and to serve other people. In so doing, he reveals the true nature of God. He came to love and to serve, and this becomes the purpose of our earthly life, as we put on Christ by doing the same. So living becomes an opportunity to serve others as we love them. This will result in us learning to die to ourselves by preparing, preferring other people and their needs um, as part of the process. Does that make sense? Okay. So question for you, what does it mean to worship God? Any thoughts? Is is it this? Is it this? Any thoughts? Right. I think it's all of this, isn't it? And Anything that causes us to uh, love God, love others, and serve others is worshiping God. Yeah. 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 It was beautiful, all of that this morning, uh, Kevin. And actually, I kind of thought, maybe I just won't bother to get up. You said it already, right? All of those images are in there, you know. I think perhaps a good definition of what it means uh, to worship God starts with Jesus' summary of the law recorded in Matthew's gospel. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. To die then is perhaps the most human thing we will ever do. It is the one destination that we all share. So my suggestion in the light of that is that we need to reframe life and death as dying and rebirth. And in so doing, we'll, we will obtain a different understanding and we can live differently as a result. So living becomes an opportunity to practice dying until we finally do. At this point, through our lifelong rehearsal, there's less tying us to our earthly existence, and we can move peacefully into life after life and all that entails actually being ready to go 
rather than the alternative. So that all sounds great, right? No. <laughs> I've seen some shaking heads, right? You know, it's funny, we're doing this thing every day. I mean, I spend a lot of time thinking about this because I see it every day, but um, people I meet every day, it seems, don't. That's probably why I don't get too many invites to dinner, right? You know? So this all sounds great um, in the sense that if I can just get my theology straight and live with an eternal perspective, then all will be well. All the pain that comes with the loss of a loved one will disappear because death has been defeated. However, the flip side of loving others is the pain we feel when we lose them through death or for any other reason. I'm sure you can relate to that. As I began um, writing this book, I received the news that my brother John has a cancer diagnosis. Um, initially, although it was a relatively advanced diagnosis, there seemed to be hope for a cure. Unfortunately, that didn't turn out to be the case. And short of a healing miracle, we're probably entering the last few months of his life. Now, here's the dilemma. Um, I believe in a God who can heal, as does John. But is that even the right way to think? I understand that perhaps the fullness of humanity is waiting for him and the best is yet to come. However, I'm not ready to lose him at the age of 57. It feels like there's so much living still to be done. Selfishly, I would love to see that miracle and I will continue to pray for it. I've worked with those approaching the end of life and their families for many years. Um, and I've watched others lose their loved ones, including uh, my wife, Karen, losing both her parents and her older brother. So I have a good theoretical understanding of the process and even perhaps some reasonable, reasonable theology. I mean, you can be the judge of that. But, um, but the truth is, there's nothing that prepares us for the experiencing grief and loss ourselves. Now, to some extent, I think this is part of the human condition, which necessarily includes pain and suffering. That's the good news for the morning. Um, <laughs> um, and this is the paradox, that although we're on a journey through our rebirth in death, there is still pain and loss and fear involved in things we don't fully understand and perhaps would seek to avoid if we could. It's part of what it means to be human, and Jesus experienced this himself. And I'm reminded often that life is only ever lived one day at a time. And the only part of our lives that we can significantly influence is this moment that we're currently living. So a lifetime is when we reach the end of our particular journey look back and see how many days were involved. And this is true for all of us, but mostly we don't live this way. So we are mortal beings, but we're unique in creation in the sense that we know this to be true. And so we live our lives in the knowledge of our human frailty and our ultimate death. 
So this can result, I'm not sure if this is something you can relate to, if you, but this can result in the fear of death and it can drive our behavior in a way we choose to live as individuals and societies and can perhaps be more problematic than death itself. What does it mean to succeed in life? We're often trying to succeed uh, and, and leave our mark on the world. So we build pyramids. We write symphonies. We paint beautiful art. All of these things are good things, um, except that even the greatest of them is still a beautiful grave marker because the creator of these things is, is going to die too. Um, So let me unpack a couple of things that are important uh, on this journey of reframing. Do you need a breath? <laughs> There's a lot coming at you, right? You know, yeah. Okay. Let's look at the um, the first creation narrative in Genesis chapter one. Then God said, "Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness." so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over the creatures that move on the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. We could probably spend the rest of our lives just talking about that, but I'm not going to. I wanted to focus uh, on the concept that we're formed in the image and likeness of God. I've already uh, alluded to the fact that the, the resurrected Jesus being the image of God we're created in, uh, which, by the way, includes all of us, um, male and female, right? Um, what then is the difference between being formed in the image and formed in the likeness of God? Um, going to refer you to Basil the Great. Excellent nickname. Uh, who was a fourth-century uh, bishop of Caesarea? Uh, now he was in inf influential in many things, but uh, one of which was the Nicene Creed, the formation, and also the formation of the uh, doctrine of the Trinity. But he says, um, "Let us make human beings according to our image and according to our likeness. By our creation, we have the first, and by our free choice, we build the second. So if I'm understanding correctly, we're created in the image of God, but we're not God. We're not made of the same substance, and yet we are like God and have the opportunity to become more like him through our lived experience. This, it seems, is the difference between being human and becoming human and opens the debate into which part of our humanness are we born with and what aspects do we grow into. It also asks the question, if becoming human is a process, at what point do we become fully human? The process of being formed in the likeness of God is known in the Orthodox tradition as theosis. It appears that our participation is required on this lifelong journey. And it seems to me that this then defines the purpose for our human physical existence. Taking the example of Jesus' uh, incarnation, he demonstrates, as we've seen, self-emptying or kenosis. The flip side of this is that participating with Jesus in this journey of kenosis, we learn to love God 
ourselves and others as we die, to ourselves and serve others around us. In so doing, we put on Christ, take up our cross, and are formed more into the likeness of Jesus until we're finally formed into his full likeness through rebirth and death. The pathway then is kenosis to theosis, which I see as part of the same process. <laughs> Here's my attempt at a graph. <laughs> I think it actually, it looks like a smile, right? You know, and I was thinking like his self-emptying and, and following in the example of Jesus and his being formed in Jesus through doing so, you know, so which, which way do you put an arrow? You know, it's like, it's, it's not kenosis to theosis or it's probably a bit of both, you know, as I become more like Jesus. So I love other people more, I serve other people more. And, and, and so I'm formed into the, into a more Christ-like version of me. Um, anyway, I'm going to put that in the category of mystery. So you can have a think about that one, right? You know. Okay, I'm going to skip on just a little bit. Um, what happens when we die is also something that's shrouded in mystery. And Paul has something to say about this in a letter, the first letter to the Corinthians. It will be like that with bodies that are raised from the dead. The body that is planted does not last forever. The body that is raised from the dead lasts forever. It's planted without honor but it's raised in glory. It is planted in weakness, but is raised in power. It's planted as an earthly body, but it's raised as a spiritual body. Sounds to me very much like a seed. You now that our physical body is like a seed. Um, it has a lot of potential, but it needs to be planted and it needs to die in order to fulfill that potential. N.T. Wright commenting on these verses suggests there's been a lot of confusion in our English translations about what is meant by an earthly body and a spiritual body. He suggests that in Greek, the contrast is between this present body, which will decay and will die, and the future body, which is undecaying, never to die again. So. If I'm tracking correctly, that means two physical bodies with two different properties for two distinct versions of life of the same person. I think this, all you can really say is there's more to come, right? I've watched um, this process happening many times, um, and it always feels to me like I'm looking at the very tip of a large cosmic iceberg. I've been present at the time when um, the spirit departs from the body and, and in that process leading up to it, you just get the sense I'm looking at something which is way bigger than I can possibly imagine. Um, and I, I'm grateful sometimes because I'm not sure I'd go to work if it was, <laughs> if it was any other way, you know. But it, if, if you look at that image of the iceberg, the little bit at the top, I think, is the bit that we can have some idea about. And then there's the whole mystery part of what's going on under the water. So there's a lot to think about. 
And um, I think, and I realize in approaching these topics, we can only really scratch the surface. I hope that in talking about some of these issues, you can see that there's a significant potential for reframing life and death as dying and rebirth. The result of this change of perspective is that there is also room for hope and anticipation on a journey that we're all taking and that we can live with purpose rather than fear. Paul in 1 Corinthians also says, when the perishable has been clothed with imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying is written, will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Um, Paul's quoting from Isaiah uh, at the end there. It's like a promise. Now, where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? I don't know about you. Um, I believe there's been a victory over death through the cross for all the reasons that I've just discussed. But from where I'm standing, the sting is very much still present. There's been victory over death itself, and if we embrace the idea of rebirth, just as importantly, a victory over the fear of death, which is a potentially destructive force in our lives. However, the pain of loss, grief, and dying, and the dying process itself are still very much present as part of the human condition, and they shouldn't be minimized or ignored. There's pain to be had in the birthing process. I'm sure that everyone would agree with that, particularly the ladies. It's actually even in the medical definition of labor. And there's also pain to be had in the rebirthing process. Now, I'm going to celebrate my brother's life and grieve the loss of his physical presence. I'm going to celebrate him while he's alive, and I'm going to do that when he's passed. I will also miss him, and I will grieve the loss of his physical presence, but still knowing that the best is yet to come. For me, I don't think we can just have a celebration of life. But we also need a funeral, which is really an opportunity to mourn and express our grief as well as our gratitude. So in summing up, it seems that we are not born fully human, but with the potential to be so. And it's our embrace of this process that will dictate what our earthly lives look like. How ready for the end we become and how we learn to love and serve others on the journey. If we participate, we increasingly become the manifestation of God in creation. We bring life to the living, and we point to the nature of who God is, revealed in the incarnation and passion of Jesus. Now, I suspect you probably agree this can all get a bit academic and a bit heady, and I'm sorry if some of it came over that way. I hope it was accessible. Um, but to quote my wife, um, who, as I said before, is my favorite theologian, 
It's all about love. Right? That if in our journey through life, we become more like Christ and we learn to love God and love and serve others. And dying to self is simply really about preferring other people than just me, which flies completely in the face of the autonomy-driven society that we often find ourselves living in, right? So then, if it's all about love, this is the end, right? Or is it? Okay. That's all I got, guys. <laughs> um, I'm glad that it's questions and um, responses rather than questions and answers. Because as you can see, sometimes the questions are better than the answers that we have. Um, so if you want to read the, the book, because it, it's got more in more depth than some of these things, there's some books over the back. If you can't afford it, just take it. That's fine. If you can, um, that's great too. All right. And uh, Steve's book is uh, available at the back there. Thank you again, Steve. Next week, we are gathering uh, at Matsqui Park. Was I supposed to say that? And uh, I forgot to introduce our pastors in case you haven't met them. Eden over here on my left and Sarah. So if you'd like to say hello to them. Uh, and I have uh, something to just uh, read as I uh, fin as we finish up. And uh, this week, may your life be filled with some fun surprises, a new sense of wonder, a new understanding of trust, a deep contentment knowing the indescribable and expansive love of God in whatever circumstances come your way. May you have a great week. Thanks for coming. Good day.